Sandra Tanner was raised as a Mormon and is the great-great-granddaughter of Brigham Young. When she started college, she began asking questions in a Mormon religious instructional class because she was having doubts about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Rather than answering her questions, her instructor asked her to stop asking questions. Then she began studying the Bible and Mormonism. As she studied the Bible, she saw contradictions between its teachings and the teachings of the Mormon Church. Stay tuned today as I interview Sandra and hear more about her story of leaving the Mormon Church and what God's been doing to use her uh, during these years. This is Kay Meyer, president of Family Shield Ministries and your host for today's program. I want to welcome Sandra Tanner of Utah Lighthouse Ministry in Salt Lake City, Utah. Thank you so much, Sandra, for being my guest today. Yes, happy to be with you. Well, I said in the introduction that you are the great-great-granddaughter of Brigham Young. Now, for our listeners that don't know, can you share who he was and why he's important to the Mormon Church? Yes. Well, first off, Mormonism started in 1830 by a man named Joseph Smith, who claimed to be restoring the true Church of the New Testament The Mormons believe all churches had fallen into apostasy, and the true church had to be started all over again. So Joseph Smith was the first prophet of Mormonism, and he was the one that revealed their different books of Scripture they have besides the Bible. But he was killed in 1844 uh, when he was uh, arrested in Nauvoo, Illinois, because of uh, the Mormons' uh, various... Um, aberrant teachings, uh, polygamy, political kingdom of God, and many things. This left a vacuum in leadership in the Church, and Brigham Young was the president of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, so that would place that group of men just under Joseph Smith and his top two leaders. Uh, There was a contention and argument in the early Mormon Church about who should take over when Joseph died, But Brigham Young was able to convince the majority of the leaders to accept him as the new leader. So he became the second prophet of Mormonism and the one that led the Mormons west when they were driven out of Illinois, and they came out and settled Utah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, that's where you are today, too, in Salt Lake City. (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah. So we would love for you to share your story. You were raised as a Mormon, but you're no longer... uh, part of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, tell, us, I, I, tell us a little bit about what it was like growing up as a Mormon and when you began having some doubts about it. Well, my parents were married in the Salt Lake Temple in their special temple ritual that supposedly seals the family for all eternity. But uh, and, and then my folks had my daughter, my sister, and then me, uh, and then they moved to um, Southern California for defense work <clears throat> in the early 1940s. And so I was raised in Southern California, where I was raised as a minority uh, religiously. Mm-hmm. Uh, there weren't any other Mormon kids around me in my neighborhood. So I grew up aware that there were people out there that believed differently than the Mormons. I just didn't understand what the differences were. Uh, I visited a um, Protestant church when I was in high school, 
<clears throat> to uh, a meeting I now would see as an evangelistic outreach, but I didn't understand anything that was being said at the meeting. And this is important for the audience to understand. Although Mormonism uses common phrases that all other churches use, they talk about Jesus, <clears throat> they talk about God, they talk about the Bible, salvation, but they mean different things to a Mormon than they would to the standard Christian. So when I'm going to the, attending this meeting, hearing someone preach, I hear him speaking English, but I'm not understanding the way he's using the words. So uh, I visited that church later, and it evidently was a good church, but there's a language barrier between the Christian and the Mormon. Well, when I was in high school, my mother started to have questions about Mormonism, and she started to raise her doubts to me, but they were not my questions yet. It wasn't until I got into <clears throat> college and was attending the Mormon Institute of Religion, which uh, they usually have those off-campus at most large universities. And so I was taking religious classes there as well as my college classes, and at the Institute, I started asking questions that my mom had brought up to me. And like you mentioned, uh, the teacher finally asked me to stay after class and asked me to quit asking questions because I was disturbing a girl that was in the class that was think thinking of joining the Mormon Church. Mm -hmm. Well, it was at this time that I uh, made a trip to Salt Lake with my grandmother and when we got to Salt Lake, she back to her home, she asked me to take her to a meeting, and I didn't know what kind of meeting it was going to be. I thought it was going to be some sort of old folks at a Mormon meeting, but it turned out to be one headed by a young man named Gerald Tanner, and that's how I met my future husband. Mm. Gerald was fifth-generation Mormon family like me, but when he started college, he too started having questions about Mormonism. And so he's in this meeting telling about different problems he had uncovered. And after the meeting, I asked him to come over to my grandma's to explain to me more about what he was talking about. And from that developed our uh, romance and marriage. Gerald and I both at that point felt that uh, the Mormon concept of the gospel was not the biblical concept. And we rejected Utah Mormonism, but at that point, we still were hanging on to the Book of Mormon, which is the first revelation that Joseph Smith gave as a new book of Scripture. <clears throat> the Book of Mormon doesn't teach the main points of Mormon doctrine. That's why the missionary will usually ask you to read it and mm -hmm. pray about it, rather than giving you any of Joseph Smith's other revelations. Because the Book of Mormon teaches there's only one God, as opposed to their later scriptures teaching multiple gods. The Book of Mormon says there's just heaven and hell, but Joseph's later revelations taught that there was all kind of different levels of heaven, and uh, that you can do uh, baptismal and marriage rites for the dead to allow them to move from what they term spirit prison up into paradise. So as we started seeing these problems within Mormon scriptures, contradictions, mm -hmm. we went back more into the Bible to see what the Bible taught uh, in relation to all this. And the more we studied the Bible, the more we realized, yeah, it looks like all of Mormon doctrine is going to have to be set aside. If we're going to claim to be Christians, 
then that's got to be the measuring stick, not the Book of Mormon or Mormonism. Mm -hmm. So during this study, we both came to faith in Christ. Uh, That happened while we were still struggling with the Book of Mormon. But then finally we set all of Mormonism aside and went back just to the Bible, and we've been writing and researching on that ever since. Well, let's talk for a minute about... um your coming to faith in Christ. You were a Mormon. Yeah. Um, Mormons, well, what I usually say, I'm not sure you would agree, is that they, they, they talk about Jesus, but it's not the Jesus of the Bible. Absolutely. Um, so what happened in the midst of your studying uh, Mormon teachings and the Bible that brought you to faith in Christ? What was different about studying God's Word uh, that that you came to know Christ as your Savior? Well, as a Mormon, of course, I had assumed that I was a Christian and that I already had um, done those things necessary to be right with God. But the more I read the Bible, the more I realized that it was talking about something different than I had understood as a Mormon. One day I was re- listening to a Christian radio program, and a minister came on and he was preaching from 1 John chapter 4, herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us Mm -hmm. and gave his son as a propitiation for our sins. And as he explained that second half of that chapter, it was like a, a cloud lifted from my thinking, and I realized the message of Christ had nothing to do with temple ritual, with baptism ritual, with being a member of the Mormon Church or not. It didn't have anything to do with having the right priesthood. It all came down to God made the move towards me, a sinner, Mm -hmm. to bring me to reconciliation. And it was while this man was explaining the concept of grace, as opposed to works, uh, that I came to put my trust in Christ's atonement and realized that it was that act alone that was the thing that would make me reconcile to God, that I as a sinner had nothing to bring to the table mm-hmm. to add to God's grace. Yeah. In Mormonism, it's grace plus our life of strict obedience to Mormon commandments. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the Book of Mormon, it says we're saved by grace after all we can do. Mm. Good works. And so that's the good works. Mm-hmm. And in a, it isn't just any good works. The Mormon... Uh, when when a Christian starts talking to a Mormon about grace and works, the Christian isn't understanding what they're defining as the works that are involved here, because it's not about helping little old ladies across the street. You could do that the rest of your life, and it would still not be the good works the Mormon's talking about you needing to be right with God. The good works to them, it would include doing good things for people, but it includes being a, baptized a Mormon, being ordained for a man for, with the Melchizedek priesthood uh, for a couple that they got married in the Salt Lake, well, in a temple, that they got married in a temple, and that they lived their life as a faithful Latter-day Saint. Mm-hmm. So uh, Baptist, Lutheran, Presbyterian, Methodist could never do enough righteous acts during their life to be right with God in order to receive eternal life unless they accept Mormon Mm. baptism and temple work, whether that's in this life or in the afterlife, for you to have eternal life, the Mormon would say you eventually 
at some point will have to accept the work of Joseph Smith. Okay, so they're saying they're the only way. So Absolutely, the only way. So is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints then just another Protestant denomination? Are they outside the body of Christ? I would see the, the LDS Church as a heretical church. It names the name of Christ, but they've redefined all the gospel messages, all the doctrinal points. They've redefined the nature of God, of Christ, of man, of salvation. It isn't the same God. Mm -hmm. The Mormon God had a beginning. He has not always been God. This is something uh, that was an attainment for him. And so Jesus has not always been God, in their view. This was, again, something he attained. So everything has been redefined. Mm -hmm. You hear the words that you would hear as a Christian, but the meanings are so totally different. Yes. Yes. So some people that are listening, whether they're Christians or not, are going to be saying, why are you picking on the Mormons? Um, Aren't they good people? Now, we're not saying they're not good people, um, but um, they will get upset. But um, um, how many, why do Mormons come to our doors, Mormon missionaries? Why are they coming to our doors? Yes, because they do not believe that you, as a Christian, are doing the things necessary to have eternal life. Now, you have to keep in mind, they've separated the concept of salvation and going to heaven from the concept of having eternal life. They are not the same thing to a Mormon. Mm. So the Mormon would say to you, yes, you as a Christian have salvation and you will go to heaven, but you will not get the kind of heaven Hmm. that the faithful Mormon will get. You will just get the bottom, uh, lower uh, parts of heaven where you may be visited by Jesus, but you'll never be in the presence of Heavenly Father. That's reserved for only Mormons. Okay. I want to continue this, but I have just a few announcements to make, and then we'll come back and continue talking and learning from Sandra Tanner the differences between what the Mormons teach and what God's Word teaches, Christians teach, and uh, this is important, so I hope you'll stay tuned. Each week, Family Shield offers a booklet, our resource, to our listeners. This week, we're offering several tracks that will help you respond in love and witness more effectively to Mormons. Family Shield purchases these tracks and gives them away at no charge to our listeners. To receive them, Call our response center, the number 1-877-317-4326. Family Shield is a listener-supported program. Your prayers and support allow us to reach and equip thousands of people each week. Send notes, letters, and financial gifts to Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015. St. Louis, Missouri, 63123. If you're a Thrivent financial member, you can designate your Thrivent Choice dollars to support Family Shield. Go to the Thrivent website at www.thrivent.com, then Thrivent Choice, to learn more or call them 800 847 4836. We also encourage you to sign up to receive our email newsletter. You'll learn about upcoming radio topics and guests, as, as well as special events and articles and devotions. You can learn more on our website at www.familyshieldministries.com. 
Com. I also want to let you know that uh, Sandra uh, works with Utah Lighthouse Ministry, and we're going to be adding their website to our recommended links on our website. And uh, we're going to learn more um, now about that ministry before we continue talking uh, with Sandra Tanner. Again, I mentioned at the beginning, Sandra is the great-great-granddaughter of Brigham Young, Uh, She is no longer a Mormon, but she is helping us understand some of the reasons why she left and some of the differences between the Mormon Church or the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and what Christians believe and the Bible teaches. Uh, Before we actually continue talking, Sandra, just tell our listeners a little bit about what Utah Lighthouse Ministry does and many of your how they can connect to your resources. Yes, we're here in Salt Lake City, and we have a bookstore, which means we also have a a facility that a Mormon can walk in off the street and sit down and talk with someone anonymously. And this is important in this community, because everyone is afraid of being connected with uh, questioning or seeking out something from someone who's left the church. So part of our ministry is being available to our uh, friends here in Utah that need a safe place to go and talk anonymously before they uh, have decided where where they're uh, they're going with their whole belief system. Mm-hmm. Also, we have a huge website where we have all kind of information posted, so that again, uh, a Mormon seeker would go and find information to help them. From that, some of them will contact us directly, and we can talk to them further about the things of God. Uh, Christians come to our website to get information so they can reach out to their Mormon friends in a more knowledgeable way. We have a mailing list that goes out to, I don't know, about 5,000 people where uh, twice a year where we send out uh, some of our latest research on Mormonism. So we uh, also speak to um, different church groups, mission groups, college groups that come through Utah uh, during the summer, I have uh, just a lot of different groups come through that I speak to. So the ministry all revolves around informing people on the differences between Mormonism and Christianity, whether it's addressing the Mormon or speaking to the Christian. Great. And through the years, um, we have seen many people come out of Mormonism and come to faith in Christ, but it is a slow process. People in Mormonism are very indoctrinated. Mm-hmm. And it, it, you don't just leave the Mormon Church and go to some other church. It's You've had too much brainwashing that you have to pre-sort uh, through all that before mm-hmm. you're ready to even think about going somewhere else to church. So it's an outreach ministry here in the community, and um, we're open six days a week hoping to speak and reach out to Mormons. Thank you so much for what you do. That is wonderful. And um, and um, we're glad to know that your ministry is there. And again, we will be adding your website to Family Shield's website under our recommended links. And there are categories. One of the categories is apologetics. So that's a good place. And then I think there's a subcategory of Mormonism. Um, as we have the rest of our time, um, we were right before the break. I was asking you a little bit about Mormon missionaries and why they come to our doors. Obviously, they believe they are the only correct uh, religion, the only one that has the truth. 
Uh, did you have any more to share about that before we, you know, maybe move on to a little bit more information? Well, the Christian needs to spend some time thinking through what are the qualifications for a prophet that Mormons claim they're, that missionary is going to want you to accept their prophet as God's spokesman. But what do we expect out of a prophet? How do we test someone claiming to be a prophet? And I find many Christians haven't thought this mm-hmm, through. Mm-hmm. And first off, Deuteronomy 13 says that a true prophet of God will not lead you after a strange God. My challenge to the Mormon is that Joseph Smith did, in fact, lead us after a strange God when he proclaimed that God was once a man who became God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The God of the Bible has always been God, never been less than he is today. The Mormon God had to learn uh, all things in order to advance eventually to Godhood. Yeah. Now, when Mormons uh, come into your home and and visit with you, one of the things they'll encourage uh, people to do is read the Book of Mormon. So if someone has been asked to read the Book of Mormon and pray about it, do you think that's a good thing? And what do you share with people about that? Well, that's not the way we test a prophet. Uh, When you look in Acts, uh, when uh, it talks about the Bereans, and Paul comes and is saying, you know, the Messiah's come. It doesn't say that he told people to go home and pray about it. Mm. It says <laughs> they searched the Scriptures daily to see if these things were so, and therefore many believed. And that is our challenge to the Mormons, that certainly I include prayer in my Bible study and in my seeking for God's will. But when it comes to accepting a new message from God— or a new messenger, the pattern I see laid out is one of study and comparison. Is that man teaching the same thing as I see the biblical record teaching? Mm -hmm. And on that basis, I can reject Joseph Smith. I don't need to pray about it. And so I put the challenge to them. Just like if I came to you and proposed that we rob the bank to give the money to the poor, I wouldn't expect you to go home and pray about that. I would expect you to know for the fact that God already said, thou shalt not steal. You don't need to go pray about that. Mm -hmm. You already know what God said. Mm -hmm. And so when someone comes to me and says, my prophet talked to God face to face, and God told him he hasn't always been God, I don't need to pray about that. I already know the Bible says there's only one God he's always been God. I refer them back, for instance, to Isaiah 43, 10 and 11 that there's only one God, it's the only God there is, he's the first and the last, uh, Isaiah 44, 6 and 8, Isaiah 45, 21 through 22, all speak to this issue of one God who's always been God, there'll never be another. And if Joseph Smith taught different than that, then I don't need to pray. Mm-hmm. I know immediately he's contradicting the Word of God. Yeah, Good. Uh, We have just a little bit of time left. What else do you want our listeners to know, Sandra? It's important for them to realize that Mormonism is adding to the work of Christ. They say they accept Christ's atonement on the cross, but they only accept it as a partial payment. One of their apostles gave an illustration story of salvation, uh, of what Christ did on the cross, and he gave a story about a man that got deep in debt, and the creditor was calling in the note. And so the man is desperate, 
and he goes to a friend, and in the story, obviously, the friend is supposed to be a picture of Jesus, and the friend says, okay, I will pay off the loan for you. Will you accept me, then, as your creditor? And the man says, oh, yes, you saved me from prison. And so then the friend says, it will not be easy, but it will be possible. I will set the uh, parameters for this. And so what the story ends up telling you is the atonement to the Mormon is the down payment on eternal life, but you have to make the rest of the payments. Mm -hmm. And if you don't make all the payments, you don't get eternal life at the end of the road. So that's totally opposite from the salvation offered us through Christ. The Bible declares that we are sinners in need of a Savior. We have nothing in ourselves to bring to the equation to say, God, I'm doing my best. That should some way help make Christ's atonement more effective in my life. I believe in living a Christian life, but I don't do it to earn eternal life. I do it as a result of love Mm -hmm. that I want to serve God, not because it makes my eternal life more paid off. Yes, yes. Wonderful. So it's important that we proclaim that message of salvation, uh, which you just did very well. We are sinners in need of a Savior. Jesus is that Savior. And uh, we can't do good works to earn eternal life. He has done all that is necessary for Absolutely. us. Absolutely. Yes. Thank Another you so much. aspect of Mormonism is they believe we're all the same species as God, God, men, angels, devils are all the same species. And so this goes back to the idea that God earned godhood. They believe the men of Mormonism have the ability to achieve godhead, and they could then go off and run their own earth system. Mm. Uh, So that the elevation of man in Mormonism is totally contrary to what we see in the Bible, that in and of ourselves we have nothing to present to God. It is the cleansing work of Christ that brings us holiness, not something we can claim to have arrived at through our own self-effort. Yes, absolutely. And so the Mormons are missing the beauty of the atonement because they have mixed it up with part of their own effort. It can never mean the same to them, uh, the joy that it brings to a Christian to know that Jesus paid it all. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Good, good. Again, my guest has been Sandra Tanner. She is with Utah Lighthouse Ministry in Salt Lake City, Utah, ministering to Mormons and helping Christians learn how to witness to Mormons. Um, There are so many other areas that we could have addressed. We regularly do programs on what we call our counter-cult ministry area, but I would recommend her website, lots of great information. Also look at our recommended links because we have lots of other apologetic organizations, and they all have these wonderful websites with great resources that will help you as a Christian learn more and respond in love to those that uh, you touch. Again, this is Kay Meyer with Family Shield. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Family Shield, a production of Family Shield Ministries. Its mission is to educate and equip people through the power of the gospel to know Christ, grow in His Word, and to strengthen individuals and their families. To learn how you can obtain resources or support the ministry, go to www.familyshieldministries.com or write Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri, 63123. 
and tune in again next week for Family Shield. <laughs>